The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, we talk with Chris Eldiri, the owner of Mountain Equipment Research Group. We talk about the importance of user testing from concept creation to final product and the company he's built to provide these services to product teams. Hey, welcome back everyone. This is Chase and joining me today is Chris Eldiri, the owner of Mountain Equipment Research Group. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to, great to talk to you again. Um, I, I mentioned this just off air, but we should have recorded our first conversation. Um, I think we just, we covered a lot of really interesting territory. Um, and I mean, I've just kind of discovered this whole new world of testing as a, as a career path and, and uh, testing as a part of that larger, um, you know, just the, the larger you know, product development cycle. It was really fascinating. So I had to get you back on so we could actually share, share your story and share what you do day to day. Cause I thought it was fascinating. So uh, yeah. I, I imagine you feel the same way. You probably feel really lucky being in the position you're in and, and, and in this industry in particular. Yeah, I do. Um, and I appreciate you saying that for sure. It's, it's definitely a very niche, um, task and a niche part of the product development process. And so to be able to not only focus on that solely as, you know, my day-to-day work, but to be able to offer that up to brands and to product designers and developers throughout the industry um, as a resource, that's definitely a pretty special thing. So, you know, being grateful is, is high on the list for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think most people who've fall into the industry, which I think most of us have, um, there hasn't really been a clear path and, you know, and, and our program is trying to create that, right. Is more of a clear path for people to, to come into the industry. I think grateful is the, the word, um, you know, that I would, that most people would use to describe, you know, how they feel about being in the industry. So, um, but I, with that, I'm curious, you know, I'm going to touch on a few things that we talked about previously, but um, for our listeners, maybe how, what, what was your first introduction to the outdoor industry? <laughs> uh, that's a great question, man. Um, I was just a, a average person out recreating. I mean, that was kind of my first intro to it. So when I, when I, at university, um, you know, I was studying things that were not related to product, not related to recreation whatsoever. And um, I was just recreating on the side, you know, meeting new people, getting outside. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest. I went to school in the Rocky Mountains. And so that was kind of my first introduction to everything that was the, you know, new to me with regard to outdoor recreation. But um, after I, or during college and then after I graduated, I was kind of swept into um, outdoor education just out of the interest of the education aspect of it um, and spending time outside. And at that period of time, I worked, I think I had four jobs, two in a retail space and two essentially in kind of an outdoor education space. And so for me, I went from not knowing anything about this industry and this world to being kind of overnight dropped directly into it just out of my own curiosity to explore it. Um, And so, you know, that started my path for me in a number of different ways because I was looking at the industry at that point and what it meant to, you know, spend time outside, spend time with youth, spend time with friends and things like that um, from a multitude of perspectives, both, you know, market driven and education driven. So. 
it, it everyone's path is a little bit different and it's and it's windy for everyone to to kind of get into the industry um yeah. but uh i i think the the common element for a lot of people seems to be participating in the the activities and then there's this discovery of oh there's people who make the stuff right it's like how do i get involved in that like people actually make this um one of our graduates she she describes kind of this awakening that she had when she was hiking a trail and, and, you know, it was a long hike and she just stared at the person's backpack in front of her. And that for her, that was kind of this realization that people make this stuff. Wait, I could make that stuff. Um, that, did you have some kind of realization like that when it came to, you know, eventually you found yourself working in, in testing, but did you have a realization that, Oh, I could be involved in that process of, of creating product. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think mine came through years and years of using product, um, both for myself personally, and then especially in the outdoor education world, um, a lot of the work that I, a lot of the stuff that I did for a long period of time was like you had to, when you're doing logistics and planning for trips, whether it's for youth or whether it's for adults, you're constantly thinking through what it, what is the equipment that we need for these different outings? And, you know, what does that equipment have to be able to do? And, um, you know, and so when you start doing that, you start to create this larger awareness of all the things that are out there, all the brands that are out there, all the different types of equipment. And so for me, what I started to realize is that, you know, my interest to get involved with product um, started to come through seeing everything that was out there through personal experience, you know, having experiences using things that were just terrible and not appropriate for the intended use up to finding those things that you you were using enough and realizing that, Oh, this thing is golden. It's exactly what I, it's doing exactly what I wanted to do. um, And it's perfect for me and my use. Right. And so, you know, that, I'm a curious person. So that just kind of started this like curiosity of like, who, who are the brands that create the product that I use and you know, what goes into that and how does that look? What did, what insights do you feel like you gained while being more on the education side? And maybe you can talk a little bit about like what, what that was. Um, what, what were some of those roles that you were involved in? It sounds like you were, you were helping people get out and participate. Um, I imagine that helped give you some unique insights into product and testing and kind of looked at, you probably look at product, you know, a little differently because of that experience. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I started doing after school. I started as essentially like a teacher in after school programs for, um, for city youth who didn't necessarily have resources or access to the outdoors. And so for me, it actually started on a very simple level in that regard in the sense that like, you don't need technical stuff to go outside. You need access and you might need a few kind of base level items to be able to get outside and experience beautiful places and share those experiences with somebody else. And so, you know, on one level, I was looking at it from that perspective and roughly at the same time, I was working in the retail world, both for a small shop and a large shop. And, the, you know, I would see the different people who would come in with needs from I'm walking around the block with my dog in the middle of winter to I'm going on an expedition to the Himalaya and I need X, Y, and Z product and it needs to do this for me, you know? And so for me, that kind of opened my eyes to the breadth of needs with regard to product and the fact that each of those needs is they're important and they influence the outcome of what product ends up being right. You know, um, I think you and I, the first time talked, like you can, many of the kind of larger brands will say that they focus on athletes and things like that to influence and provide insight into their product. And the idea is that an extreme need and an extreme perspective can then somehow trickle down to the person at the bottom of the tier who simply just needs that thing to keep them warm for 10 minutes a day. Um, and theoretically that makes sense for sure. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, each of those experiences are unique and there's value in hearing from everybody along the spectrum in order to influence what you might want your end product to be. 
I think that's a really interesting perspective and, and a theme that I feel like I've kind of tried to explore with, with uh, different people over time, but um, companies really designing to that extreme um, kind of at the almost not really at the expense of, of everyone else, but it, I mean, other people have different needs, right? And, and the, the, uh, the extreme user isn't the majority. Um, it's definitely that the aspirational, you know, that, that I think a lot of people, you know, they, they see the aspirational, um, marketing, you know, this aspirational product. And maybe that is something that pulls people in, but for most, most people who enjoy the outdoors, who go on a walk, you know, out, out their front door and walk around the neighborhood. And that's, that's their connection to the outdoors that, that doesn't really resonate. Right. And the product might need to, um, it just, you know, the, the needs are different, right. In a lot of ways. So I, th- I think yeah. the approach, I mean, just your experience, um, in retail and, and working with people of different backgrounds and experience levels, that's got to really help when you transition into that role into testing it, you, you probably start to think about, well, who's testing the product, right. Um, and, and maybe you expand, um, who, you know, that, that pool of people that you're working with. So how, how did you make that transition from, um, working and helping people get outside to actually being involved, um, on a, on a product team and, and getting involved in that, in that way? So I was one of the last positions I held before I started working for product companies was actually, establishing and and planning for trips for people to be outside um, and then working, working essentially with companies to help supply the equipment needed for those trips. And so for me, that was kind of a stepping stone and I used it. I used relationships that I had with some of the companies that I was working with to kind of fulfill the needs of getting equipment for um, outings to kind of bridge the gap and to get my foot in the door with, a product company. And, and that's literally what I did. Like I, I um, came from a background that is, you know, not focused on engineering, not focused on anything with regard to product development and design. Um, and I, I took whatever opportunity I had to get my foot in the door. And so um, I worked with Black Diamond Equipment for a number of years. And the first job that I held there was in war- in the warranty department, not even full time, like on a part time basis, um, fixing broken equipment and talking to people about equipment that broke in the field or or that had problems in the field, um, and you know I use that again as a stepping stone within my time there. To I worked in sales, I worked in marketing, and eventually ended up in um, quality and R and D with the the opportunity to to handle testing to handle external field testing for them um, for a few years or a couple of years. So for me, testing and kind of paying attention to equipment and things like that, like it's it has been a small theme throughout my entire career and my time, you know, and I can't even say career, it's been all over the place. But um I've always had that inside. I've always been paying attention to that because it's held some role within all of the different um, parts of the industry that I've worked in. And so it, it was in the back of my head that I would always love to manage and run testing, you know, uh, and it just so happened that I, I kind of got myself there through just doing that and keeping that in mind, you know. In, not every company has the luxury of having, you know, field field testing as well as the internal testing, um, like a black diamond. Um, what a training ground! Or like, what what an opportunity to get it, probably experience. Well, I mean, uh, eventually leading field testing, but being around the the in house. Um, what what would you even call some of that? The, some of the in house testing. Oh, it's it's legitimate quality assurance. Quality, testing. Okay, I mean, quality they, assurance. They have. Testing. Yeah, they have a legitimate lab mm-hmm. focused on lab-based quality assurance testing. And with regard to, you know, Black Diamond's unique and without going into too much detail, their testing is a part of who they represent themselves as and what they do. And so you have a lot of folks there who work there who in all spectrums of the company 
who understand that using something provides valuable insight into the design and development of that thing. And so, right. um, you know, lab testing is a very critical part for any product, especially if it is a product that is focused on safety, focused on something that, you know, is, has a higher consequence with its functionality. Um, and a lot of companies do have lab testing, but like you just mentioned, many companies do not have some aspect of field testing as part of that. And usually those things partner together. You know, that's kind of the goal. Right. Yeah. Not every company has like an in-house testing, uh, lab testing team, like a black diamond. A lot of that will be done by an outside group, right? Third party mm -hmm. groups. Um, and so that's, that's like a bare minimum for companies. It seems like field testing, um, and having a robust field testing program is not, not every company has that. Um, maybe you can share a little bit about what, um, what, what does a field testing program look like within a company? I mean, it varies for sure. And I'll, I'll start with saying that not every company sees it as valuable. Not every product design and development team sees it as, sees that part of the process as valuable. And I think that that's probably the biggest point about it. And that is even in my work today, that is the largest stepping stone with regard to whether somebody wants to utilize the work that we do or not. Um, because you, you know, depending on where folks sit in a company and, you know, the, the design and the develop, the designers and developers are generally the ones who are most responsible for that part of the process, right? Because it, it directly affects the thing that they're doing and the outcome of what they're working on. Um, the folks who essentially, you know, look at the financial aspects of a company aren't the ones directly involved in that. And so field testing seems like a very arbitrary thing. It doesn't necessarily seem like it's that important. And so the companies who don't have something, they might rely on internal users. They might rely on friends who are close to the company, something like that. Um, and the companies that do have something, it varies between grassroots type of folks, internally, friends, to you know, athletes that are essentially contracted and paid. Um, and have some stake in the company by being a part of it. And so um, traditionally, and what we've kind of found in our experience is that field testing can be effective internally, uh, you know, if it is managed and viewed with this, with kind of a perspective that it, it is a, a, an important part of the, the design and development process. And other times, you know, when it's looked at with the lens of kind of a marketing perspective, uh, it loses a little bit of its uh, effectiveness in the sense that you want high-end users or you want these users to take these products out and to provide feedback. But in many cases, they're providing feedback based on the fact that they have some kind of contractual agreement with you and they want to maintain their status or something like that. And that that's an assumption, right? But in I've worked with the spectrum of people testing and that happens way more often than you would like to think with regard to athletes, ambassadors and things like that than, than not. And so um, our goal and our interest was to be able to provide that critical service, but to do it with more of an objective perspective and one that wasn't necessarily tied to any one company. Right. Yeah. It, it seems like if you're an athlete or a field tester for a company and you, you have a close relationship or a stake in that, uh, why would you, I, I guess the incentive there is to not disrupt, um, you know, in a way, even if yeah. you're not consciously thinking about that, there's pr probably a lot of subconscious um, things going on there. Um, so it, it seems like that's, like you said, that's the value of having an outside group that has a process. Um, and and also seems like where most companies, I don't know, from my perspective, it seems like most companies, um, some of that research, um, some, you know, gaining that feedback, um, having conversations with users, it's probably one of the first things to go, right? It's like when you need to, to get a product out the door, right? It's like, okay, well, 
you know, this is, I don't know. It, it seems like that's one of the first things that could, that could go when you're getting pushed. It's like, well, we don't have time to roll out a robust process and have conversations and give people enough time to use it. I, I can just see in the day-to-day of a business that being one of those things that gets pushed out. Um, yeah. Because you, like you said, it's like, well, we're doing internal testing, so shouldn't that be good enough? It's like, but, but they're very different and you get different insights. So, um, so I imagine, I I don't know if you've noticed that, is that an issue that you've found? Um, and now in your current role, um, trying to sell these services to people, um, I imagine those are conversations you're having all the time. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the timing, the product development cycle is, very tough, right? And it is driven by market factors that are many times outside the control of the designer or developer. And, and you're, you know, nail on the head saying that um, timing changes everything. And so when you have folks in a company kind of pushing, pushing, pushing to get something done, it's entirely on you to figure out how to make that happen, whether that's at a factory, whether that's in your own processes, whatever that looks like. And so, yeah, uh, having more dedicated testing or a little bit longer term field testing, that's, that's a very easy thing to just sweep off to the side. And instead of putting a little more time into it, you find a couple of people who might be able to use something a few times and give you some insight. Um, and while that's helpful, and I totally advocate for that on every level. Um, and a lot of cases, it's enough. And what it ends up doing is get this continual cycle. And you see this now all the time. All you have to do is go to a, a company's website and read reviews or a, a retail site and read reviews. But um, where we are essentially testing on end consumers, we are, you know, companies are creating product. And they are revising those products based off of feedback in line, um, in production, you know, season after season. And, and there's nothing wrong with that in the sense that companies are listening to feedback. But at the same time, I personally got tired of being somebody who would spend X amount of dollars on something that I thought and I hoped was the right thing for my use, only to find out that you know, the moment I started to use it, it felt completely not unconsidered. Like there was no thought put into different aspects of it to the point where I just felt like I wasted that money. And now I had this thing that it was my responsibility to figure out what to do. Do I sell it? Do I keep using it? Do I give it away? What do I do with it? Right. And so to me, when I was doing testing and when I was participating as a user and I was going through product all the time, um, it became really apparent to me that it's, it is critical to have that user insight in the process in order to help push things in the right direction and to hopefully eliminate some of that consumer and testing on the back end, you know? Well, I think it's a, a change of just a, a mindset change. Um, I, I see this in our students, um, you know, here in the program, we're trying to train the future designers, developers, and product line managers of the industry. And, and um, you know, we specifically see students, you know, when they're presented a, a problem, they just go right to, um, right to designing, right? It's like, oh, I'm coming up with a solution. Um, and so much of the work of a designer is observation, Right. And, and conversations and research and, and, you know, I, the sketching is, is a great way to work, work out those ideas. And we recommend that early on too, but, but I guess the point being, it's like listening, right. And observing and understanding and trying to identify the right problem first. And rather than trying to solve the problem that you think is there, um, it's, it's trying to evaluate evaluate what the right problem is to begin with and then trying to attack that. Um, I kind of see that in the same way with testing, right? It's, um, it's, and within a company, right? It's, it's having to change that mindset and recognize, um, yeah, this is going to take a little bit more time, but um, it's how we get it right. And, and there's a whole host of benefits for doing that. Right. I just think from a sustainability perspective, right. If, if you put in a little bit more time um, and a little more listening, a little more, you know, more conversations, um, 
like that product is, you know, hopefully going to be something that, that, that person will treasure because it works better for them and they'll use it longer. It'll perform better. It, you know, they'll, it, they won't just toss it, you know, at the first, um, first chance it doesn't really work the way that they hoped it would. Um, I mean, then there's a whole host of other benefits from that too, but it seems like a, a whole mindset change, right. And thinking about that whole design process differently and, um, which kind of leads me towards, you know, when you made the jump to, to offering these services, not only to one company, um, but, you know, w- what led you to this opportunity to offer these services to companies across the industry? Um, so job change, number one. So I, my, and this is, I mean, as clear as can be, but my position was essentially let go uh, while I was doing that through Black Diamond, right? And that's just, that is, unfortunately, for better, for worse, that's the way companies work, right? Um, And so for me, that presented the opportunity of of kind of an, uh uh-oh, what's next type of moment. And again, like that, that's my story that definitely doesn't always happen to folks. That's not how things always look. But in regard to that, you know, I was committed at that point to testing. I was focused on it. I was thinking about it all the time. And so um, one of my testers and colleagues at the time um, was somebody who had been doing this for on his own, essentially, um, as a consultant, essentially, for a very long time, had held positions, testing positions with other uh, kind of major brands in the industry. And he was nearing a point where he was looking to move on and do something else. And so um, we made an agreement and I essentially, you know, Mountain Equipment Research Group was born out of the work that he had been doing for 15 plus years in the industry. Um, And so with that came the opportunity to not just be focused on one brand and one type of, or one breadth of product, but to kind of expand that into other areas where I had colleagues, where I had relationships. And so um, we essentially took that opportunity and we kind of built on it in order to not only refine what uh, he had been doing for a very long time, but to, you know, build upon it to see if we couldn't add to it to enhance the service and to start to help to fill gaps around the industry um, with companies that were, they wanted to partake in that, but they didn't necessarily have the resource or they didn't necessarily know how to go about doing it. And so um, over time, you know, it's, it is every day is a new day. Absolutely. And, you know, we get interest all the time from different folks and um, we get interest outside of the outdoor industry uh, as well, because again, that once people are aware that there's an option that they can get hu- human use and insight into something that they're developing and they don't necessarily have to try and figure out how to do that on their own time, um, it becomes you know, useful to folks if they believe that it is beneficial to their process. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we have established relationships. We work across a broad spectrum of product. Um, and we, you know, every season we encounter, you know, the opportunity to potentially try to help different folks with different products. So, so maybe you can share a little bit about how, I guess, uh, maybe share a little bit about how like a relationship develops with a company. So you have some kind of contract with a company to test certain products, um, like, you know, a company reaches out and, and asks you to test, I don't know, a new line of footwear. Like, wh- where do yeah. you go from there? Like, how does, maybe share a little <laughs> bit about how the, the process works. Yeah, so we are, that's a great question. And I mean, you can, you can find stuff about us online, but we are very much, again, this goes back to the very beginning of this conversation. Like, testing is awesome, but it's, it's absolutely niche, right? And so, we don't really, we're not on social media, we're not advertising, we're not doing things like that because we essentially function as the extended arm of R&D teams. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you are looking at 
prototypes or you're looking at samples that are pre-production before they roll out for the coming year, even before they get shown at trade shows or marketing picks them up, um, you know, companies don't want that stuff out. They don't want folks talking about it, looking at it. And so, you know, we, we kind of function behind the scenes. Um, and so we, you know, there are things involved like NDAs, um, non-disclosure agreements, things like that, that, you know, we do, we kind of manage that on both ends. So as a service company and as consultants, we have to agree to that when we're working on product that's not ours, um, that has, you know, high level of sensitive sensitivity. And then we also, we employ that with our testers that, you know, they, they are testing something that is not yet ready for the general public. It is not yet ready for social media. Um, and, you know, once I tell you how big the group is like that, it's hard to control that. But, you know, we have to have agreements in place on both sides in order for us to be able to do this in a way that is respecting both the end user, the tester and the, the companies that we're working for. So, Sorry if that didn't answer it, but essentially people find out about us via word of mouth um, and relationships. And um, yeah, it's, it is the outdoor industry for better or worse, again, is very much a, a who you know type of circumstance. And so we don't, because we, we, I have colleagues and through my own personal experience, you know, those people move around companies all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I do my absolute best to maintain relationships with those people based off of the fact that they are kind, genuine folks that I've been working with. They go somewhere else and they feel like they might be able to um, get use out of something like what we're doing. Um, then they reach out. And so that I hope is something that continues. We do that with our testers as well. Um, we don't really solicit for testers at all. Um, we, if and when we need to grow our tester base, we generally do that via word of mouth, um, kind of a grassroots approach. We, we look to the folks who are consistent, who are you know some of our best folks, and then we look to see if we can't find additional users who are you know interested the same level that they are, uh, that sort of kind of approach to testing. Um, but yeah. Non-disclosure agreements, we set up timelines. Um, testing looks different depending on what the product is, uh, but we try and focus on certain time periods. If you are simply looking to validate something like the fit and feel, you know, you might be able to do that in a shorter time period than if you want to see what happens to a material over an extended use period. Um, and so we kind of we keep it very flexible. We keep it very fluid. Um, you are working with a lot of human interaction, objective perspectives. And so you really need to, you know, there's not, you can't, you can't draw too many boxes around it, essentially. Um, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> That does, no, that that gives me a better idea. Um, I, I'm curious who creates some of the standards and standards and outcomes. Um, I know part of that is probably it depends on the company, right? You probably have some companies that are saying we want to know this. Sure. Um, other companies are probably coming to you saying we don't know where to start. Um, so how does that work? What are some of the deliverables or, and for the testers sake too, right? You, you probably have some kind of structure that the testers are working, um, within because it's not just a matter of throwing on some, some trail shoes and running up the Canyon and, and saying, Oh, this, this feels good. This feels bad. I didn't like <laughs> this. Like that's not testing, right? Um, there's more of a process to it. So you mind sharing a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, so we, I mean, it's very basic and we do that on purpose. Um, the less there is in the system, the less there is in the process with regard to complexity, uh, the clearer I feel like the feedback, the information can be. And so that's, that is kind of the overarching goal is that we look to keep the testing process simple for both testers and the output simple for um for the product companies because 
timing is a really important aspect of it. And having clarity to feedback is also a really important aspect. So um, we base things around qualitative feedback and quantitative feedback. When we, we want folks to have to choose and rate things um, on a very simple scale. And we also, you know, from poor to excellent, essentially. And we want them to also be able to put into thought why they chose that thing or what they feel about it. Uh, because there's two things happen there, right? Like, just like you and I are having a conversation, a lot more comes out when you just relax and you think about something and you speak to it the way that you want to speak to it. Um, when you're kind of given a choice and you have to choose, that kind of pushes you one way or another. And so both of those are valuable parts of getting information from somebody. Um, and they most of the time match up, but in many cases, they may not. Somebody may rate something a certain way and then their words may say something completely different about it. And so what we want is is we want a combination of those two things so that we have the ability to read between the lines and to look at that information and to pull out consistencies for the teams that are working on those products so that they can have clear information to make better decisions, to make them more quickly, um, that sort of thing. So yeah, when we do a test, we take the information from the company, what they have, what they want from it, the amount of time that they have, um, and we develop a testing platform based off of that. We figure out the best users based off of that, and we implement it um, you know, using the knowledge that we have and our experience with regard to what works and what doesn't from a, a, a testing standpoint. So we are kind of both adept within project management and then that kind of communication process of, figuring out what the needs are and then they're taking the resources that we have available and putting them to use in the best way possible. How many testers are in the network right now? Uh, great question. We have roughly around 600 testers and they are um, spread all over the lower 48, some in Western Canada, um, Alaska, Hawaii. The goal is to any need with regard to a product or or, or um, kind of an identified target user when a when a company comes to us. Right. Um, and like I said earlier, you know that sometimes that plays out really well, and sometimes it doesn't at all. You know, the one of the banes of the product process is that they're on opposite ends of the seasonal spectrum a lot of times. So. Um, Somebody might want to work on a winter product in the midst of summer, and somebody might want to work on a summer product in the midst of winter. Right. So that's why it's important to have that that uh, national international network, so you can you know capitalize on that too. If if yeah. some areas of the country have more snow than than others, and you're testing for snow, you know you've, you've got those those options. So um, if on the company side of things, I, I guess how many at any given point in time, how many products are being tested throughout your network or how many companies are you engaging with at any one given point in time? Uh, we like to keep, we like to keep that somewhat controlled. So we, we would maybe have a handful of uh, companies running tests, running tests for a handful of companies at one time. And um, you know, there, there's a lot of reason behind that too many you lose a little bit of ability to focus if there's too much going on. And then um, again, like the, the purpose for us is to provide value to the process, to the design and development process. And so if we are too strung out with too much, too many tests or we are doing too much out of season um, or, you know, whatever it may be, conditions don't exist for the best type of testing, then, um, it doesn't behoove us to, to try and force something um, to go if we don't necessarily have the best ability to do so. And so we, you know, we try and keep there. We're a small team. Um, we're a remote team that is managing all of these projects. And so a lot depends on 
on uh, conditions, participation, and timelines with regard to, to companies. And so that's why it, in our case, it has taken a lot of experience and all the people who are associated with us, who do work with us, they are coming from backgrounds of 15 plus years in the industry. Um, and that's for good reason because the, the process changes often and it changes a lot with regard to the needs of a, a design and development team. And so, you know, we have to be very um, resourceful frequently <laughs> to, to accommodate everybody's needs and to provide value. I mean, uh, I wouldn't be doing this if, if it wasn't creating some kind of value for the folks that I work with. Right. Um, and I, I imagine it really depends on the level of involvement that the company wants from the team. I, the last time we talked, we we talked a little bit about participatory design. So this idea of getting your users involved in the design process as early as possible. Um, and, and that's something that you you get engaged at a lot of different points with throughout the process. It's not just okay, we have salesman samples, let's send those out and have them tested, right? You're, you're involved early on as well as late, like you're involved throughout the process, right? And there's different levels of involvement that a company can engage in, right? Absolutely. So, um, and we do that both in smaller groups and larger groups. So you're right, when we work with folks at every level within that spectrum. And so um, as far as testers go, you know, if we are looking at something like concept or we, we try and use our team to identify the most valuable individuals who might be able to provide appropriate feedback on something. And if we can, we try and involve them early um, and connect them either through us or directly to, um, you know, the person that we're working with on a design, on a design team. Um, to hopefully provide a little bit of additional feedback, user perspective, not directly tied to their company uh, to help somebody along in their process. And, you know, the goal there isn't to have that tester or that user's input be the sole input for that product. It is hopefully part of a combination of, of perspectives. It's, Ultimately, the designer is the one creating the product, right? But they have to know who that's being created for. Um, it's, so it's a mix of their perspective. It's a mix of who they hope will use it and what that person might think. And then, you know, obviously company perspectives have influence on that with regard to who they want to sell it to, how much they want to sell it for. And then you actually have the end user, the person who will actually go into the store and buy that thing and what they might think of it um, once they get it out and start to use it. So we try and touch upon the person who will actually be purchasing the product, using the product, um, and get insight in the process. And so, yeah, we'll do that if we can very early. Uh, like I said before, that's a hard place for companies to um, start at because timing can be such a critical factor. And then we also involve larger groups further in the process if we just need to get a lot of that thing out and get significant time and use on it and see if there are any red flags that may um, be concerning to a company prior production. What, what has been... Um... I guess some of the the more fulfilling aspects of of running this operation. I'm, I'm sure there's some <laughs> low points too. It's like things that you probably don't want to have to do. It's you're running a company. Um, yeah. There's some challenges with that too. But what are what have been some of the high points for you? Um, you know, building building this organization. You know, building a, a team of you know having 600 people. You know, um, <laughs> that are now tied to this. Like that's. That's that's big, um, you know. What what have been some of the fulfilling, um, you know, aspects of all of this? Yeah, that's that's an awesome question. Um, and I hope this doesn't sound self fulfilling or self self selfish or something. But honestly, to me, the there's a ton of value in the process, and and I and like I really truly believe that. And that's coming from somebody who 
you know, I am a, what I would consider to be a fairly average user across all the things that I do, right? Like I'm not an elite athlete by any means. And then my particular interest in product tends to be pretty simple and minimal. And like, and that's just me, right? So for me, I don't need, it's interesting to see what companies are doing. Um, but it is with regard to product, less is more in my perspective. And that's my own philosophy built out of years of doing the stuff that I do. Um, with regard to the company, it's so much bigger than the, the, the um, service that we provide to clients. It's the community that we get to create of everyday users who are absolutely part of the outdoor community and culture but aren't always considered on the product end. Um, and so we get to involve those people uh, throughout this process in a lot of different ways. And that's really exciting to me because like I said at the very beginning, like everyone and their perspective counts, especially when you are designing product across the spectrum of use, right? Like it, it matters how humans interact with that thing and so having a varied base having a lot of folks who can participate um, and that are coming from many different backgrounds like that's really important to me um, and i feel very happy to be able to create something or to continue to nourish something that will that will exist to be able to provide that input um, and then you know this is 2020 is a perfect example of a year where things have just been so chaotic and so crazy and, and testing has been quite difficult this year to put it simply, but the, the solace that we've taken is that people have actually been really, really stoked to participate because it gives them something else to think about. It gives them a way to say, I really do need to get outside for a walk or a run or an adventure or whatever that may be safely with regard to COVID, obviously, but, you know, it gives them somewhere else to put their mind. And so for me to, and I know in the past, I've felt that way. If somebody said, here's this product, I need your input. It's like the difference between me going out that day now became, ah, I may or may not do it to, oh, I'm definitely going to do it because I want to try that thing and I want to be able to provide honest feedback. And so um, the majority of testers approach it in that way that, here's this opportunity to get out and do something I like to do. And I have a tool to use to do it. Um, and what's required of me is my, you know, my honest perspective and a little bit of time. And um, that's encouraging for a lot of folks and they want to get out and they want to do something. And so um, we try and be really clear and communicate with folks that that it matters and that their feedback is a, a really important part of this process in the end. What, what are you looking forward to um, and, you know, in regards to the future of, of this organization? I mean, honestly, building a community and culture of people who are just really stoked to be a part of it, um, that's huge for me. And then, you know, I, as long as it provides value to the companies who work with us and as long as there is space for us to kind of affect in a positive direction outdoor product, whether it is creating something new and better that is going to benefit people in use or providing insight early enough for a company to say that this product isn't working and we don't want to make it and sell it. You know, both those things have value to us on the, on the user end of the spectrum. Um, and so as long as we can do that, that's, that's really important to me. So for, you know, I hope that we're able to continue doing this, um, and everything in my personal approach to work has evolved as it's gone along and I've never held very firm beliefs about what I want it to be or where I want to go. And so, um, I think that this is exactly the same, you know, we, we partake in the process every day because it's valuable and we nurture it and we take care of it as best as we can. Um, and when it wants to grow, we try and grow with it. Um, and when it wants to stay put, we try and take care of it while it stays put. And so, um, you know, 
yeah, that's, that's my approach. That's what I hope to see. And uh, maybe that'll carry me through another 20 years in the outdoor industry, you know, helping companies make better products. So. Oh, that's great. Well, I, I am, I just appreciate you being willing to share your experience and your story because it's, it's not something that we've talked about um, in our program really. I mean, we do touch on testing and, but it's more lab lab testing. And I think right. most, uh, a lot of students, especially early on in the history of the program came in thinking, yeah. Oh, this program, I, I get to go out and I get to play with gear and I get to go test it. And, <laughs> and it's like, well, no, that's not necessarily the case. I think most people in the outdoor industries wish they got to go and, and, uh, play outside more. Um, but, yeah. but this, this idea of field testing, um, isn't something that we've touched on as much as I, we'd like to. And so it's, it's really, it's really special to have what, what you're doing, what you're building. Um, you're, you're based in Salt Lake, right? Yep. Um, so it's really special to have that here while, you know, although the, the team is remote, um, you know, the fact that you're here and, and you're doing your own testing, I imagine, um, you know, in, in your backyard is pretty special. So I appreciate you just being willing to share your story and share this really unique, um, you know, part of the product development process. So I think it was really helpful. So appreciate you taking time. I appreciate the interest, you know, the, the, yeah, like we said, it's it is it's definitely not as you know we spend a lot of time sifting and sorting through feedback and paying attention and observing and distilling that down. Um, and absolutely, like from a user perspective, I do get out, I do use products when it's applicable to my time and my use, right? And so I do partake in the process, but um, it definitely doesn't look like what you might think it does. You spend way more time. <laughs> going through information and just making sure that you pull valuable information out. Um, and so that, so that it works for folks. Well, that's great. Uh, Chris, how do people stay in touch with you or learn more about the company itself? Um, yeah, you can, we have a website mountainerg.com, and, um, you know, it's like I said, it's pretty simple and that's kind of done on purpose, but you can, you can, always go to the website. You can um, send us a a note via the contact form there. And uh, again, we're a small team. We respond to all of that stuff. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're a little bit under the radar, but definitely if anybody ever had a question about anything, you know, I would always welcome any interest in any note. Um, and we'll do our best to, to respond in a timely manner. So. Oh, that's great. Well, Chris, thanks for taking time. This was fun. It's great to talk to you again. I know we, we touched on a few things we talked about before, but it's, it was great to talk again. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found. On HighlanderMag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cache Valley.